quote, end badly for them, end quote. And yes, over the past few days, Ian had confirmed the fact that the family fortune was, in fact, ill-gotten gains from Grandpa's collaboration with the Nazis. Some of the loot had been left behind, hidden on the farm where Gramps and Daddy had lived in Poland, not far from Auschwitz. About a week ago, Prince Stefan had followed one of his grandfather's treasure maps, and he'd found nearly three million dollars in antique jewelry beneath the straw-covered dirt floor of a dilapidated barn, just as Grampy had promised. A more patient man might have extracted the gems and melted down the precious metals, getting more for the items overall. But Prince Steve was in need of some immediate cash— which meant he was looking for a buyer who didn't care from whence his shameful treasure had come. Enter Ian, with his hard-won reputation for knowing exactly how to fence stolen jewelry. It didn't take much digging to discover that the Kastani ambassador was a potential buyer. Not only did the extremely wealthy man have a thriving side business, buying and selling precious metals and gems— his diplomatic status gave him access to move stolen goods easily throughout the region. But he himself was also something called a Holocaust Collector. And yes, that was as hideously awful as it sounded. The man had a fascination for everything from anti-Semitic propaganda to SS uniforms and weaponry to lampshades made with human skin. Jewelry stolen from people who'd been rounded up and exterminated was right up his ugly-ass alley. Ian didn't know the diplomat personally, but he knew a guy who knew a guy, and so he held his nose and made a few phone calls. Which led them to tonight's show-and-tell with the prince and his plunder, followed by what was promising to be a teeth-grindingly awful embassy dinner with several dozen other guests who shared the ambassador's and prince's narrow worldview. But the dinner meant that Prince Stefan would be out of his hotel room for long enough to allow Johnny M. to wrestle with his laptop and download its contents. Ian didn't have to like it. He just had to do it. But when the prince was lovingly laying out his collection of stolen necklaces, brooches, rings, and bracelets on several yards of plush maroon velvet, Ian knew that, for him, dinner was out. Not gonna happen. And not just because he had to clasp his hands behind his back to keep himself from punching the prince in the face when the idiot held up a particularly dazzling diamond necklace and jovially said, Heil Hitler, am I right or am I right? No, dinner was not going to happen because luck had delayed the ambassador, and Ian and the prince were still waiting here, still all alone in this embassy sitting room, when Ian's Bluetooth-disguised headset clicked on. Download complete. Johnny M's salty voice came through Ian's earpiece loud and clear. Suddenly, Ian had options. He had choices. And he knew, instantly, what he was now going to do. He was over near the door, and he opened it to peek out at the still-empty corridor. Luck was on his side. This could work. He shut the door again. The prince had crossed the room and was now pouring himself a glass of something from a bar setup, droning on again about how special it was for him to see, in person, the farm where his father and grandfather had spent the bulk of the war. 
The barn was just as they described it, he said as Ian approached him. He turned to make a disparaging face. I'm afraid there's no hard liquor here, only this ridiculously sweet wine. It's traditional. It's what they serve in Kazbekistan, Ian said as John's voice clicked on again. I'm out of the hotel and clear, Johnny said. Repeat, I am free and clear. Those were the words Ian had been waiting for, and he threw all of his outrage and disgust into a very solid uppercut to the prince's chin. Boom! Punching the idiot in the face felt as good as he'd imagined it would. His majesty didn't have time to register his royal surprise. He probably didn't even recognize that Ian had hit him. He just shut down. His eyes rolled back in his head as he crumpled onto a red satin-covered chaise lounge.